Word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray now as we go to your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us. Lord, we thank you that in the midst of trials and persecution and grief and difficulty, that you're still on the throne, that you're a faithful God. And we ask, Lord, that your word would speak to every heart that is here, those who may be going through trials or grief or difficulty. Lord, we know your word is always right on time. We pray for anybody who's new here today, that they would feel welcomed and loved. We thank you for those who are joining us via live stream. Lord, blessings upon them as well. Be our teacher this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So quickly, we just looked at the first uh, part of First Peter last week, the first couple verses, but just as a way of catching you up. So this was a letter to encourage both Jewish and Gentile believers in the midst of great persecution. As we talked about last week, this letter was written about 64-65 A.D., A.D. means Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. It doesn't mean after death. Amen. Uh, B.C. is before Christ. And so uh, the people that don't believe in God write down his, the date. Every time they write down the date to remember in Jesus. Amen. And we need to remind them of that. But what was happening was Nero had risen to power in Rome. And he was a, not a doubt in my mind, a demon-possessed crazy man who hated Christians with a passion. He, you know, it was through him that they used uh, the killing of Christians for entertainment. They would feed them to lions. They would cover Christians with pitch and set them on fire and use them to light his garden as he rode through in his chariot naked. He was a crazy man. So the persecution was taking place, and that persecution had caused the church to spread, which was a God thing, right? So what Satan means for evil, God will use for good. So the gospel was spreading out. But what happened is a lot of Christians had to leave their families and their homes and the places where they grew up behind. So now they've been scattered. Some of them, uh, you know, have no way of making an income. It was very difficult. So Peter writes this letter to the early church to encourage them while they're in the midst of these trials and difficulty, and also the potential of losing their lives because of their faith. And so we need to understand that context. So as we're, as we're going through this letter, it'll help us to recognize as he's encouraging them, I doubt any of us are going through anything as great as what they were going through, but we do go through trials, and this should be an encouragement for all of us. It's a great letter to turn to in the midst of trials or difficulties of life, to be strengthened and encouraged in the grace of God. And it reminds, they reminded us in the first verse, Peter talked about we are pilgrims. A pilgrim is somebody who is, has ventured into a foreign land. It's not the place where they live. It's a place that they are visiting for a time or establishing. And guess what? This is not our home. Amen? Heaven is our home. One of these days, either the Lord's going to rapture us and take us away and come quickly, Lord Jesus. I give you permission, Lord, do it today. Amen? He doesn't need my permission for anything. Or we will close our eyes on earth and open them up in glory. And so that needs to be our focus as we continue through the text. We're just passing through. This is not our home. I hear even Christians say this, any day I wake up in the morning is a good day. I'm like, yeah, not so much. I'm looking forward to the day when I don't wake up here. Amen? Because <laughs> that's going to be a better day. Amen? The better day is when we open our eyes in heaven. And then we saw in chapter 2 the Godhead's role in our salvation. We see that, the, we were cre that God created us, He saved us, and He redeemed us. He created us, 
He saved us and he redeemed us. He made us out of nothing. He created the universe. He saved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, we've been redeemed. That word redeem means to be paid for, to be purchased. You know, and I just so love the fact that it's been paid in full. Jesus said on the cross to talisti, which it is finished or paid in full and praise God for that. I'm so thankful that we've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. Now that's only true if you've given your life to the Lord. I want you to notice too that when he talked about He doesn't talk about, uh, when he talks about salvation, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he never brought up election. He never brought up predestination. All he brought up was human responsibility. Here's the reality. Every one of us is responsible for, for responding to what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. You either accept him or you reject him and there's nothing in the middle. You either know the Lord or you rejected the Lord. You're a friend of God or you're an enemy of God. There's no kind of saved. Amen? You're not kind of saved. You're either born again or you're not. And so the exhortation as we talk to unbelievers or as we talk to somebody who doesn't know where they are with the Lord is be kind, be loving, be gracious. We're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. We should never be self-righteous, but we should never dial down the truth of the gospel, not one bit. Amen. We need to preach the truth, do it with boldness, do it in love and point to the fact that only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ can we be saved. Peter had a heart for God's people in the midst of persecution. He talked about grace and peace being multiplied to them. He looked at their circumstances, their trials, and this world that we live in. But here's the good news. Whatever trial you may be going through, we'll see in this morning's text, it's temporary. Amen? Amen. It's temporary. And you know what's been hard is, I think of, 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 of Tim, Charmaine going to heaven, myself with my son, other people. We've all gone through difficulties and they seem more permanent because it's, it's not temporary here, but it is temporary when you compare it to eternity. Amen. Amen? And I know that that first hug with my son in heaven is going to wipe away every day and every minute of grieving on this earth that I have left. Amen. And guess what? We're going to be dead a lot longer than we're alive. And what I mean by that is we're going to be out of this body a lot longer than we were in it. And what we need to focus on is not the here and now, but where we're going to spend eternity. And we want to do one thing. The only thing we can do, the only thing we can take with us is people. Amen. So we want to focus on loving God and loving people and have an eternal focus. And what that will do is it will allow us to have joy in the midst of these trials because we recognize this is but for a moment. Amen? These trials are temporary. So grab your outline if you have it. I titled the message, Learning to Rejoice in the Midst of Grief, Persecution, and Great Trials. It's one thing to say, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, and it's quite another to apply it to everyday life. It's real easy looking back on a trial to recognize what God has done through it, and it's another thing to have joy in the midst of it. Amen? It's easy to look back and say, oh yeah, I really grew through that. I don't ever want to do that again, but I really grew through that. That was amazing that I went through that, but it's different to have joy in the midst of it. Guys, we never run from God. We always run to him. And no matter how great the trials are, we hold on to the Lord, right? You've heard me say it a hundred times, one more won't hurt you. You know, the shepherd lying down in green pastures forgets, the, you know, the guy looking for the shepherd, he's lying down in green pastures, everything is good. Where's the shepherd? He's around here somewhere. 
Because you're lying down in green pastures, you're on the cruise ship to heaven, everything's perfect. But when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you hang on to the shepherd with both hands. And so it's in the midst of those trials that it draws us closer to the Lord. It keeps us humble, broken, and desperate, which makes us usable for the kingdom of God. So we have three points this morning. I plan on doing, going further than that, but when we get to 40 pages of notes, I stop. So learning to rejoice in the midst of grief, persecution, and great trials. Number one, rejoice. We have a living hope in Jesus and the promise of heaven to come. The best 401k ever, heaven. Amen. We have the promise of heaven. The Lord already gave us that promise, the down payment on that promise of putting the Holy Spirit inside of us. The fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us, it says in Ephesians, is a down payment on heaven. It's ownership papers. It says we belong to him. He's adopted us into his family. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Nobody can snatch us out of his hand. And guys, we have, we, we have the assurance that when we close our eyes on earth, we're going to open them up in glory. And we ought to be saying hallelujah every day for that. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Number two, along with rejoice, we have living hope. And again, in the midst of the greatest persecution and most difficult trials, our lips should not be doubting or questioning God. Our speech should not be filled with anger and cursing, but with praise, adoration, and thanksgiving for our gracious, loving, and merciful God. Point number two, rejoice. The trials of this life are but for a little while. It's an eternal assurance, these eternal promises that should keep us help us to keep the temporary trials of this life in perspective. We get overwhelmed when we focus on the temporary. We can be discouraged. We can even get anxious. We can worry and we can become depressed. And all those things are real in the lives, even of believers from time to time. And they need to be dealt with. And we need to, and look, if you know somebody who's struggling with depression, go love on them in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, somebody dealing with fear or anxiety or worry, those are all, all those things are things that are opposite of faith, but we can all deal with them at times in our life. When my son went to heaven, I got to tell you, I've never been depressed five seconds in my life. It's just not how God made me. But I'll tell you what, I don't know if you describe it that way, but you can call it, you can call it grief, you can call it depression, but I can tell you my heart just aches and it still does. But you know what? I have the promise of eternal life. And my son's doing better than all of us, and I'm going to see him again. And you know what that does? That brings me joy in the midst of great trials. Amen. See, it's that eternal perspective that takes away the, the heaviness of the grief and the fear and the worry and the depression and the anxiety. It's Satan who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you of your joy. Rejoice, the trials of this life are but for a little while. And then finally, Rejoice the trials of this life are conforming us day by day into the image of Jesus. See, no suffering is wasted. And every time we go through a trial, if we allow the Lord to do the work in us that he desires to do, he's conforming us more and more into the image of our Savior. I have always loved people and always had a desire to see people saved, but I do even more now that my son's in heaven. For whatever reason, I have a greater compassion and a greater burden to see people saved. And you know what? Again, I know that those trials that we go through, again, God doesn't care. He, does, he cares far more about our character than he does our comfort. Amen? You know, we want to be comfortable. We'll, we'll work uh, crazy hours and make all these investments so we can be comfortable. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we're supposed to be comfortable here. We're pilgrims here. We're aliens here. This is not our home, you know, and that's why he sent the comforter, the Holy Spirit, because we're not supposed to be comfortable. Amen. 
Amen? And you know what? I'll say this too. As Christians, we don't retire. Amen? You may retire from your earthly job, but we never stop being believers. We never stop sharing our faith. We don't go move out into some island somewhere and hang out on the beach all day. Guys, God wants us to be in it and about it for the kingdom of God until we take our last breath. Amen? Amen? And, and again, you've heard me say it. Don't be moved by Zillow. Be moved by the Holy Spirit. Amen? <laughs> Don't be, oh, look at the price of that house in Texas. I'm going there. You know, and we too often we're moved by our circumstances instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. How do you know if your faith is genuine? Not by, not by how we respond in times of blessing and plenty. That's easy to praise God then. True faith and genuine faith is revealed by how we respond in times of grief and great trials and difficulty and persecution. So let's begin there looking at learning to rejoice in the midst of grief, persecution, and great trials. Rejoice, we have a living hope in Jesus, the promise of heaven to come. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Boy, that verse will preach, won't it? Notice the first thing he says there, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of life's greatest and most difficult trials and persecution, our, lip, our lips should not be doubting or questioning God. Our speech should not be filled with cursing, but with praise, with praise and adoration and thanksgiving for the graciousness, loving and loving and merciful God whom we serve, who made us new creations in Him. Notice it says He has begotten us. That means we've been born again. We've been born again. See, you were, we were all born physically, and then once we gave our life to the Lord, we were born again and we became his children, which makes him our heavenly father. Amen? My dad created the heavens and the earth. Amen? One of the names for God in the Bible is Abba, and Abba means daddy. Amen? And you know, daddy is not someone who's far away and disconnected. He's someone whose lap you can crawl up into. He's somebody who cares about every detail of your life. You know, if God, had a, if God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. Amen? You know, you're his children. He loves you. You are so precious to him. When you suffer, he, he suffers with you. It's a fellowship of his suffering. When you're hurting, he's interceding for you. When you're struggling, he's praying for you. That's the God that we serve. That's our heavenly father. Amen? Jesus is praying to the father for us. He intercedes for us. It's Jesus who is praying for us. And... He's given us a living hope. It says there again to a living hope. He's given us abundant mercy. He's begotten us. We've been born again. Our hope is in him. And then it says to a living hope. What is a living hope? It's a hope that has an answer for death. It's a hope that has an answer for death. The results are in. One out of every one person dies. Amen? And death is the thing that people fear the most. The two things they fear the most are death and public speaking. And I'm glad that God delivered me from fear of both of those. Amen? Because here's the reality. As believers, death has no sting. Because we don't die. 
I love what Pastor Chuck said. He said, one of these days you're going to open up maybe a, a newspaper and they'll have an obituary saying that Chuck Smith died. He said, don't believe it. <laughs> I didn't die. He didn't die. He just moved to a much better neighborhood. Amen? He left this place and closed his eyes here. And by the way, when we get to heaven, we're not just moving locations, but we're being transformed. Amen? We're going to have bodies that don't hurt anymore. But, amen. By the way, we had a, the championship softball game on Sunday night, and I was playing catcher, and I had a home base collision. I hyperextended my knee, and then later in the game, a ball from the outfield skipped up and hit my shin. I got a knot on my shin, and I'm like, I guess I'm too old to be playing this stuff anymore. But the point is, there's no pain in heaven. Amen? There's no fear in heaven. There's no worry in heaven. We have the hope of heaven. And it doesn't mean we hope we're going to heaven. It's the promise that we have of heaven. Christianity is not a hope so, it's a no so. We don't hope we're going to heaven. We know that we're going to heaven, not because we're good, but because he's good. And it's not because I deserve it or I earned it. It's because he, may, he promised to me and he promised to you. If you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. Amen. Guess what? When you believe it and you confess it and you repent and you surrender life to the Lord, Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and you now have the living hope that overcomes death. Death has no sting. You can't threaten us with heaven. <laughs> Amen? You shoot me, it's the worst thing that the world, the, the worst thing the world says can happen to me. Now look, I'm not mocking this at all, but if I get diagnosed with cancer someday, I'm just going to say, so how much time do I have till I get to go to heaven? Amen? Amen? Well, you know, Mr. Johnston, we're only going to give you three more months on this planet. I'll praise the Lord. 90 days, I'll be hanging out with Jesus. Sounds good. Let's go preach Jesus for the next 90 days, and then we'll go see him. Amen? <laughs> see, there's this eternal perspective that just changes everything, doesn't it? Can't wait to get there. And I say it always, heaven's better. And it's way better than we think. It's way better than we can grasp. What does a prophet of man, if he gains the whole world, loses his own soul? We'll even have Christians say, why is that person so blessed and I'm not? And they say that based on that person has a lot of stuff and a lot of money and a lot of things and maybe a lot of power or maybe a lot of fame. But guys, we have a lot of Jesus. And that's all that matters. Because you can have all of that and die and spend eternity separated from Almighty God, Lazarus and the rich man, Luke 16. Or you can be somebody who faithfully serves the Lord, and we have the joy of the Lord here, and then we, we have eternity in His presence. It's a hope. What is a living hope? It's a hope that has an answer for death, that has triumphed over sin and death. Death holds no sting for the born-again new creation in Christ. And again, we're going to be dead a lot longer than we're alive. This is but a, just a vapor of time that we're on this planet. What are you doing with the vapor of time that God gave you? Compared to eternity, you've got this much time. I have a rope at home. I'll bring it in. And literally, this much of it's painted red, and the thing's 100 yards long. And it's like, okay, there's my time on earth, and that's just a glimpse of eternity. And as we look at that, this time right here, we get so focused on being comfortable here that that time, we don't use any of it for the kingdom of God or for his glory. When this time has come and passed, only what you've done for Christ will last. 
The stuff that we think is so important won't mean anything in heaven. Amen? We should be willing to give whatever temporary thing we have to minister to people so that we can see more people in heaven. I think of the end of, how many guys saw Schindler's List? Remember the end of the movie? And, he, and God used this man to save so many of the Jewish people. But then he was looking down at his ring saying, man, if I had just hawked this, maybe this would have saved one or two more people. And his whole focus had changed because the stuff just didn't mean anything. And when we stand before Almighty God, that house that we're so obsessed with or that car or whatever, that hobby or our career. And again, we should work hard and do our job as unto the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with making your house a home, but that house belongs to God, not to you. And we should use it for his glory, not our comfort. Amen? Amen. Open up his house. Reach people for the kingdom of God. It is a living hope. As Christians, we're going to be more alive than ever when we close our eyes on earth. We alone, through Christ alone, can live lives filled with a living hope, the assurance of a life beyond all the trials and difficulties. So remember who he's talking to. Context is king. You take a text out of context, I got left a con, right? So the context is king. These guys are being persecuted for their faith. They've been scattered. Some have lost their homes. Some are running for their lives. Some will be fed to lions. Others will, will, be, will be thrown in prison. And he's telling all of them, we have a living hope, an assurance that's going to outlast this life. No matter what they do to you here and now, heaven is really what is better. And God is faithful. And God is on the throne. The promise of eternity in our true home in heaven. I said this the other night uh, when I taught through Genesis. You know, it took six days to create the heavens and the earth. The Lord's been in heaven 2,000 years preparing a place for you. How amazing is that going to be? Can't wait. Jesus is not the only source, not only the source of promise. He is our living hope. He is the proof and guarantee. How do we know that we're going to triumph over sin and death? Because Jesus triumphed over sin and death. Because he rose from the dead on the third day. This is what separates Christianity from every false religion that exists. And they're all false religions. They're all tools of Satan to keep our eyes off of the truth. Because all of their messiahs, all their saviors, all their founders, all their followers are all dead. We serve a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. I've been to the tomb in Israel. I've been inside of the tomb. And our Savior's not there. Amen? So guys, we have triumphed over sin and death. And that should bring us such joy and such peace, no matter what's going on around us. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. He is risen. He and he alone paid the price and proved by triumphing over sin and death in the grave. He endured great suffering. When you suffer, none of us will suffer as much as our Savior did. So our Savior understands suffering. And the Bible talks about the fellowship of his suffering. So whatever suffering we're going through, he's gone through much more. Why? Because he loves you. Why did he endure the suffering? Because he loves you. I believe he thought of every one of us by name on the cross of Calvary. He's God and he could do that. Amen? 
Those nails didn't hold him there. He's almighty God. Those Roman soldiers, he could have turned them all into piles of rocks. Amen? He could have called down a legion of angels and smoked everybody on the planet. You know why he didn't? Because he knew without the cross, we could not be forgiven. Without the cross, our sin could not be washed away. Without the cross, we would not have the promise of eternal life. He knew that through the cross, he would take sinful men and women like us and restore us back to perfect, holy God. Praise God for our... And guys, we need to praise his name always. He is the reason for the season. It's not Merry Xmas. It's Merry Christmas. Can I get an amen? amen? Don't take his name out of it. Let's say it with, with boldness. I'm so tired of people apologizing. It's not happy holidays. Happy holy days, maybe, and not happy holidays. Let's, it's all about Jesus. Amen? amen? We should be excited about it. By the way, my kids, every year growing up, they only get three gifts at Christmas because we told them, you're not getting more gifts than the Savior did on his birthday. He got gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You're not getting more than he got, and it's his birthday. We need to remember that Christmas is about Jesus. Make the focus on him. Our suffering is temporary as pilgrims on this temporary planet. But guess what? They're all opportunities for us to grow as individuals and for God to be glorified through us. I say this often, the people that I want to listen to most, the pastors whose commentaries I read and whose messages I listen to, are the ones who've suffered the most and yet remain faithful. In the midst of their suffering, they don't curse God, they praise God. In the midst of their suffering, they don't run from God, they run to God. As Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job later said, I will not just praise him in times of blessing, but I will praise him in times of adversity. See, you can only do that if you have an eternal perspective. You can only do that if heaven is your home and that's where your focus is. If your focus is this world, you'll be depressed most of the time. His resurrection is a clear and open demonstration of his victory and authority over sin and death in the grave. And without Christ, men live in bondage of the fear of death because they have no answer for it. People do stupid things like freeze their head. Cryogenics, we're going to freeze your head. And then when we get a cure for your disease, we'll put your head back into a body and then you'll don't freeze your head, bow a knee to Christ, amen? People are doing anything and everything to try to outlast this life. You know, people get their skin tightened and stuff shot in their body. You're still dying. And if you don't think you're dying, don't shower for two days and your body will let you know how much you're dying. Amen? Don't we get up in the morning and look at the, we, we assess the damage, right? <laughs> look in the mirror and assess the damage. Put some goop, spray some stuff, shave your face, jump in the shower, right? Why? Because this body is dying. We're going to get to heaven, and we're going to have a body that'll never die. We're going to be in, you know, I can't wait. It's going to be so amazing. We're going to see Jesus face to face. We're going to hug the Lord. I think that's one time I might be selfish. Get in line behind me. Amen? <laughs> I want to I hug my Savior, and we're going to if you know him. We who are born again are not going to, are going to obtain eternal life. We don't get it after we die. We've got it already. You already have eternal life. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Your name's already written. So we already have it. We get to spend some of it here. And, and, and I'm at the point now where if the Lord decides tomorrow's good for me, I'm, I'm in. Amen? 
I promise you there's nobody in heaven wishing they could have stayed here longer. <laughs> Amen? You get to heaven like, man, I should have just ate bacon all the time if I knew it was going to be like this. <laughs> Why was I dieting, right? Why was I? Because heaven's better, right? We have an eternal life right now. We live in complete peace. Lazarus's Martha, who's her brother Lazarus had died, and she said, if you'd only been here, you wouldn't have died. And Jesus responded and said, he who lives and believes in me shall never die. They're at the tomb of Lazarus, and he's been dead four days, and the Lord already knew he was going to raise him from the dead. But even then, he just said to her, hey, he, he who lives and believes in me, you're never going to die. So, like I said, if you ever read a newspaper article that Dave Johnston died, it's a lie. It's not true. I'm not going to die. I went to heaven. People keep saying, we're, sorry, we're so sorry that Mark died. I keep telling them, well, he's, he didn't die. He moved. Amen? He moved. He's more alive than he's ever been. And praise God for that. Because we possess eternal life right now, it's a living hope, a hope that should produce a heart of praise and adoration for God and his abundant mercy, even in the midst of the greatest uh, worldly trials and persecution. See, if we're focused on heaven, there's nothing you can do to me to take away my joy. Amen? See, happiness is based on your circumstances. So you can only be happy when all your circumstances are, are good. So you won't be happy very often because there's always going to be something. There's going to be a, a wayward child. There's going to be a struggle at your job. There's going to be something with your health, your finances. There's always be something. And so you're not going to be happy very often. You know what joy is? Joy is having an eternal focus and having your eyes on the Lord and the, the joy that comes from being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't change. If you lose your job, you get diagnosed with cancer and all your kids are wayward. See, God is still God. God is still faithful. God is still in control. And guess what? We can have joy no matter what. Amen? Galatians 5.22, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy. How do we have joy? You've heard me say it. Jesus, others, yourself, right? J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. The world says esteem self. The Bible says die to self. It's not about us. It's about him. Amen? Amen? We give him all the praise and all the glory. Now, you can, at the same time, you need to know that for him, he looks down on you and he loves you more than you will ever comprehend. That's the God that we serve. Then he says, or to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, as we talked about, because he is risen, we have a living hope. Verse four, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Well, you should be underlining some of these verses. I'm, this, this is good stuff. Amen. We have a living hope here and now and an eternal inheritance that can never be taken away. Pilgrims here, we have with perfect and sinless everlasting home reserved for us in heaven, a spiritual inheritance reserved and waiting for us. I love that. Again, the best 401k is heaven. Closing our eyes on earth, opening up in glory. Putting yourself in a place of these persecuted and displaced Christians. Imagine the weight of blessing and encouragement these words carried. Again, some of them thought, I could die tomorrow. I could lose my, I could, you know, how do I even know for where's our next meal going to come from? 
And they're, they're concerned. They could be fed to lions. But these words encouraged them. And how did they encourage them? They encouraged them by the fact that they knew that the, they had a great inheritance that was coming. These were the of the dispersion, had been chased out of town for standing for their faith. Many, no doubt, disowned by unbelieving family members. Names removed off the list of heirs. So they lost their earthly inheritance. Because they gave their life to the Lord, and other people in their family didn't, they were disowned, which means they had no inheritance anymore. And no doubt, the heaviness of that, the temple was still there. People are going to the temple. They don't have an inheritance anymore. They've lost their family. They've lost everything. And in the midst of that, these words come to say, well, no, you have an inheritance that's incorruptible that can never be taken away from you. See, you may lose out on a temporary physical inheritance, but you gain an eternal and heavenly one. And that's the one that matters. Amen? True riches will outlast this life. Temporal inheritance lost for standing for God. Far greater is the internal inheritance that can never be lost, given to us by God as we stand with Him. The world's family can say good riddance to you, take away what was once yours. Your temporal future can be altered because of your faith in God. I know people in this room right now that feel like the Lord is, is, has given them directions to take a stand for something that could cost them their job. And they believe the Lord's telling them to do so. Well, guys, even if we lose our jobs, even if we lose some things because of it, it's always worth it. It's always better to stand with God than with the world. Amen. Amen. I've said it before and I'll say it again, and I'm glad it's recorded. So you can hold me to it. This church will never, ever, 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 close. Ever. Ever. They can threaten us with prison. We'll just start a prison ministry. Amen. <laughs> We're going to have church. Forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. Amen. And if people want to stay home out of, you know, whatever concerns they have, they can watch us on live stream, but we'll be here. Amen. Because we want to focus on what is eternal. What God has for us is indeed far greater than anything the world can take from us. Whatever you take from me, what God has for me is far better. How many of you guys are going through a trial right now? There's like three hands that aren't up. <laughs> so I want to remind you in the midst of this trial, the Lord is for you. The Lord is with you. It is temporary, as we'll see in the next couple of verses. And guys, you have the promise of eternal life. It should take the focus off of, our, of, our, of the temporal and put it on the eternal. So notice what it says here. It's, it's the things will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven, who are kept by the power of God. Now, I love this. Not only does he hold the reward for us, but he holds us for the reward. Don't you love that? You can't take anything from God. Amen. So we're already in his hands. And it says, no one can snatch us out of his hands. So guess what? You're in the hands of Almighty God, and he will never let go of you. Boy, that ought to bring a, a, some joy and some peace and security. Amen. He holds us in his hands, and he won't let us go. And he holds the promise of eternity in heaven. It's kept by the power 
of God. It's, he doesn't keep us by our good works, but by his power. He doesn't keep us by our accomplishments, but by his power. He doesn't keep us because of our net worth, but by his power. It has nothing to do with us and everything to do with him. Amen? We're called Christians because we are followers of Christ. Not our perfection in keeping the law or observing the feast, but by faith. Now, this is tragic. I had someone walk out last week because I said the Pope needs to get saved. And he called me out for service and told me how horrible I was to say the Pope needs to get saved. Let me say it one more time. The Pope needs to get saved. <laughs> Anybody who calls himself the Holy Father and has people bow and kiss his ring doesn't get it. Amen. Amen. Now, I do believe there are people within the Catholic Church that are saved, but Catholic dogma is godless. Because Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Amen? Amen? Not Jesus plus infant baptism, first holy communion, you know, you know and you got to, you know, uh, last rites and then purgatory and pay money and then pray you out. And No! Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen? Amen? Now, why, why am I saying this? Because, guys, it's not our good works that save us. Can you imagine if there were 15 different rituals you had to keep, and then there was also still certain levels of sin, that if you sinned them and didn't repent them in time before you died, you could still go to hell? We'd walk around like nervous idiots, amen? <laughs> what did I say? What did I say? Oh, and, and the pre- get the priest in here. He's dying. Hurry up and pray for him before he dies. Guys, we already have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. When mom was on her deathbed, they wanted the priest to come in. I said, we don't need him. We have a great high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. He's been interceding for my mom since the day she got saved. Amen. Her name's already in the Lamb's Book of Life. But the, but the people that worked there were counting. They were scared half to death. She's, gonna, she's fine. And you can be fine too. Amen. We don't need. I'm just so thankful that it is finished. It's paid in full. We have the promise of eternal life. It's faith in God that saves us, sustains us, and separates us from a lost and a dying world. Amen? It's faith in God that saves us, sustains us, and separates us from a lost and a dying world. While already promised, assured, and being prepared will not be fully revealed until we get to heaven, all that God has for us. The benefits of salvation are beyond our, our, our ability to grasp. And I'm so thankful. I was walking through Walmart the other day singing praise songs that, just out loud because I do that. And I was walking through Walmart singing praise songs and some lady comes around the corner. She says, I know him too. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> Guys, let's be unashamed of the gospel. Amen. It's good news. It's the best news. It's what gospel means. Amen? We should be unashamed of him. He hung on a cross for us. Let's sing out loud at Walmart for him. Amen? Let's not be ashamed of him. Let's not be ashamed of him with our neighbors. Let's not be ashamed of him when we have d- divine appointments that God brings our way. Amen? Just love him and serve him and praise him. Is he worthy to be worshipped? He's so worthy to be worshipped. And by the way, worship can never be too loud. Because when we get to heaven, we're not going to be chanting like monks. Can I get an amen? Oh, that ain't happening. We're going to be bringing the house down. Amen? Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Amen? We're going to be singing with the, with the host of angels, saints as far as the eyes can see. 
We're going to be looking on, 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 on the face of our Savior. It's so good. Rejoice. We have a living hope in Jesus, the promise of heaven to come. It says, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. See, there's more that is coming because of our salvation that we won't even grasp until we get to heaven. God's already given us everything he's given us, and it's enough. But guess what? He's got so much more ready for us when we close our eyes on earth and we open them up in glory. So point number one, learning to rejoice in the midst of great trials. Rejoice. We have a living hope in Jesus, the promise of heaven to come. Number two, rejoice. The trials of life are are for but a little while. Verse six. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. He said, you rejoice in the promise of heaven. You rejoice where your future is. You rejoice in the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You rejoice in the fact that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You rejoice in the fact that by his power, he will hold you. But in the midst of that, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. A little while. A little while. It's an eternal assurance, these eternal promises should, that should help us to keep the temporal trials of this life in perspective. Not that our trials don't produce grief at times. They do. It doesn't mean that the trials will be no big deal. It just means that we don't walk through the trial alone. It just means that as we walk through the trial, we can recognize that it is for but a little while. Now, some of you will say, well, I've been going through a trial for 10 years, or I've been going through a trial for 20 years, or I've been going through a trial for 50 years. Compared to eternity, that is a little while. Amen? Amen? The Bible says a day is to a thousand years as a thousand years is to a day. So for us, 50 years, that's like a minute for the Lord. Amen? The reality is it's, it's, it's temporary. It's just for a little while in comparison to eternity with the Lord. Not that our trials, again, don't produce grief at times, because we do and will deal with pain and suffering and heartache as long as we live in these temporary tents. We will. We'll have heartache. We'll have days where we're hurting. I have wept more in the last two and a half months than I have my entire life since my son went to heaven. Boy, I miss that boy. We used to sit in two recliners together and, and we'd play the Bible game or we'd watch a game. We would hang out and every night I sit in that recliner and that one's empty. Man, that hurts. But when I look at that empty recliner, I just think of my son in heaven. And I think how much better he's doing. And, and so it's so easy. And I'm not saying that doesn't hurt because it does. And I'm not downplaying any trial you may be going through. And I'm not downplaying if you're going through, if you've got cancer or whatever it may be. Those things are difficult. And those things can be painful. But the good news is, it's for but a little while. And heaven's forever and ever and ever. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. Amen? We're going to be singing His praise songs, and, and, and heaven's just going to be better than we could possibly grasp. Since consequences produced death, Jesus went to the t- wept to the tomb of Lazarus. Grief is painful for the believer in the temporal. And yes, we do grieve in the midst of such times of trials and difficulty. But unlike the world, we grieve, but not as those without hope. 
See, the world grieves, and it's just, there's, I have no hope. I'm grieving. Oh, this is it. My life is destroyed. I can't imagine going through what we went through with our son graduating to heaven if I didn't know the Lord. I don't know how many memorial services I've done. I've been a pastor for 33 years, so it's hundreds, I don't know how many, many. And you know what? When the people know the Lord, it's, it's a time of remembering and rejoicing. When the people don't know the Lord, it's a time of, of grief that cannot be comforted. It makes all the difference in the world whether you know the Lord or you don't. By the way, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. I had a lady leave our church in Santa Cruz. She ran to me at the grocery store. She said, I, I stopped going to your church because you act like Jesus is all that matters. Bingo. <laughs> Amen. Because it's all about him. It's all about a relationship with him. We have temporal grieving over a temporary loss. For the unbeliever, it's an eternal loss with a deep sense of hopelessness. Knowing I will see my son again brings me peace. Knowing that I will see my parents again brings me peace. Knowing that people that I've prayed for and loved are in heaven brings me peace. It brings me joy. Amen? Imagine, you know, I've been reading, I've been listening to these books about heaven. I, I do a lot of audio books because I drive a lot with my secular job, sometimes two hours between calls, and I just will listen to these audio books or I'll listen to the Bible on, online. And talking about heaven, and I, can you imagine what the first five minutes that heaven's going to be like? We're going to be hugging people that we haven't seen in a long time. We're going to be jumping into each other's arms. But the best thing is going to be when we jump into the arms of our Savior. It's the best 401k ever. Amen? Amen. And guess what? It's not going to be for five minutes. It's going to be forever. Can't wait. Amen? Heaven is good. For the unbeliever, again, it's an eternal loss. They have no hope. For the men and women focused on the temporal, the loss is eternal. For the men and women to focus on the eternal, the loss is temporal. Let me say that again. For those focused on the temporal, the loss is eternal. For those focused on the temporal, or the eternal, the loss is temporal. See, if our focus is on eternity, whatever we lose is only temporary. If our focus is on the temporary, what we lose is eternal. There's no replacing it. It'll never get fixed. It'll always be this way. When you give your life to the Lord, we may have temporary loss, but we'll be regained in heaven. Amen? will be reunited in heaven. Christians die well. You know why we die well? Because death has no sting. We should not fear death. I've been with people when they passed into heaven. I've been in the room. As a pastor, a lot of times you get called to go down and be in the hospital bed. I was there with my great-grandmother, different people. And the ones that are believers, boy, virtually every time they're looking up into heaven. And a lot of times they, they believe they're seeing something. And, the, and, you know, I remember my mother-in-law said, oh, how beautiful. Look how beautiful. And then they close their eyes. The people that don't know the Lord are hanging on with both feet and give me every, do everything you can to save them. I'm trying to hang on. And they should, because where they're headed is, is, is eternal torment separated from God. See, if you don't know the Lord, you should fear death. Amen? But if you're fearing death, you can know the Lord and you won't have to fear death anymore. Amen? You want to take the sting out of death? Give your life to Jesus Christ. While we grieve, we do not grieve as those without hope. Praise God for the words for a little while. 
Again, all trials, no matter how difficult, no matter how heavy, will come to an end. Believer, trials for a little while, inheritance, heavenly blessings forever and ever. So the trials are temporal, temporary, and the blessings are forever. Praise God. And that's where our focus should be. You have a living hope of salvation. You've been born again of the resurrection because Jesus is risen. So we know that we too have triumphed over sin and death of an eternal inheritance. You're bummed out because maybe you don't have enough money in your retirement account. Well, you've got plenty in the heavenly retirement account. And that's the one that will outlast this life. These temporal trials are but for a little while, especially when compared to the reward that will last forever and praise God for it. So we need to take our, look, we're here. While we're here, we want to witness to people. While we're here, we want to pray for divine appointments. While we're here, we should be the best worker in the building. While we're here, we should be great neighbors. While we're here, we should vote biblically. While we're here, we should be about it for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. But recognize that this is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we take people with us to heaven. Amen? I got a call, and there was a, somebody that's familiar with our family. I found out this young girl was, had been missing. She responded to me. I went and picked her up. It was heartbreaking. Drove around in my car for a while. Got her to a place where she could get some help. Bought her, bought her a bunch of clothes because she was freezing cold. And went right after that and made a huge sale, made a bunch of money. Which one of those do you think was more important? Huh? Guys, it's not even close. It's not even close. I went and saw the guy afterward and sold him a ton of advertising, hundreds of thousands of dollars of advertising. But the hour and a half that I spent with that young girl and woman and getting her to a place where she could get help and praying with her and loving on her. And she wept when I bought her a couple hundred dollars worth of clothes at Target. She was weeping. I'm like, and she's like, why would you do this? I said, well, first of all, it's all the Lord's and the Lord's doing this, not me. Can I get amen to that? And because you matter and we love you. And guys, we need to love people enough to get out of our comfort zone and tell them about Jesus. Amen? Amen? To get past just, you know, going back to our house and sitting in front of our TV watching Netflix. Amen? Final point. Rejoice. The trials of this life are conforming us day by day into the image of Jesus. Look at verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory and revelation of Jesus Christ. The genuineness of your faith. How do we know that your faith is genuine? I would say that most people, if you ask them if they have faith, would probably say yes. Would you agree with that? Now, they might, but here's the real question. What is your faith in? Really, who is your faith in? It's not faith in faith. It's not faith in your bank account. It's not faith in your abilities. It needs to be faith in Christ. Now, how do we know if your faith is genuine? Not by how loud you yell or how many meetings you attend. Not even uh, how we live in times of plenty. But true faith, genuine faith, is revealed in times of great trials, difficulty, and persecution. When the heat is turned up, we see what we're really made of. How do they purify gold? They heat it up. 
And what happens is the hotter it gets, all the dross rises to the top. All the imperfections rise to the top and they scrape those imperfections away. And what's left is a more, more and more pure gold. And guys, the same thing happens to us. When we go through the fiery trials of life, God is purifying us. He's molding us more into the image of our Savior. A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Amen? See, it's when our faith is put to the test. It's when the fire comes, and then you find out that faith was real. There's some that say they have faith in Christ, and as soon as one thing goes bad, they're cursing God, mad at Him, and running in the other direction. They used to have these bumper stickers in the 70s that said, try Jesus. We don't try Jesus. We surrender our lives to Jesus. Amen? Well, I'll give Jesus a try. No, we don't do that. The other one was, I found it, or I found it. And they're like, found what? You know, by the way, I found Jesus. He wasn't hiding. Amen? <laughs> He's right here in front of you. Amen? Never hiding. Guys, you can't have pure gold without a hot fire. And you can't have a spiritually mature believer without the fiery trials of this life. Amen? That's why it says, count all joy when you fall into various trials, for trials produce patience and perfecting of your faith. See, when we look at the trials and recognize, okay, Lord, you're turning up the heat, but I know it's going to make me more like you. Remember, we talked about standing, to stand in the midst of the trials, right? To stand, hupomonia means to stand under, to stay there and, and get everything God wants to do through the trial you're going through. I don't want to miss anything that God wants to teach me by taking my son to heaven at 28 years old. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss one, one thing. Lord, give, teach me all of it. Teach me all of it. And you know what? When we suffer and we go through trials, it prepares us so that we can minister to somebody else who's going to go through that same trial. Amen? 2 Corinthians 1 says that God comforts us in our suffering. He allows us to suffer. They may comfort us in our suffering that we may then comfort others with the comfort that we have received. Amen? Who do you think I called after my son went to heaven? I called three pastor friends of mine who had all had children go to heaven. Why? Because I knew they could understand. Amen? Not that I couldn't talk to other people, but I could talk to them because I knew that they understood. I knew that they had gone through the heartache and I knew that they had gone years past it and could say, Dave, I'm going to pray for you. I want to encourage you, but I want you to know that God will get us through it. Guys, there's nothing that the world can dish out that God won't take us through it. Amen. Amen? Our God is greater still. Genuine faith being much more precious, it says here. It's much more precious. It's more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire. I love the illustration. Again, the, the refiner's fire being used here by Peter. And again, the way gold is purified, and it's, it's more heat, the more pure it gets. And it's the initial form that's destroyed when it finally comes to the place where it has removed, is ready to be remolded. What happens? It becomes so pure, it can be remolded into something else. All the impurities with the gold have perished in the flames of intense fire. For gold to be stripped of its impurities, it must go through the fire and endure the flames and intense heat. And in the end, the intense heat produces a more pure and moldable substance, moldable into a new image, free from all the impurities. So much is accomplished 
in life of a believer through the flames of intense fiery heat, trials of life that can be accomplished no other way. Why am I going through this trial? Because the only way that I'm going to grow in this area of life is through this. There's no other way. There's nothing else God could do to bring you to that place. The flames of trials, difficulty, and persecution reveal, first of all, if our faith is genuine. Have you truly been born again? If you run from God in the face of a trial, I, I question if you know him. Amen? Now, you may run for a moment. Have we all done that? You may get mad at God for a moment. By God's grace, I've never gotten mad at God, but I have wept and grieved and been hurt. You know, as, as Peter said, who else has the words of eternal life? Where else am I going to go? Amen? Who else am I going to run to? I'm going to run to the Lord. But, but we run to him if we know him well. We run to him if we have intimate fellowship with him. We run to him if we trust him. Amen? We run to him if we know the depths of his power and his strength and his love for us. We run to him. And that should be our heart. When we're hurting, run to the Lord. Run to Abba Father. Run to Abba Daddy. Jump into his lap. Lord, I can't do this without you. I need your help. A prayer I pray often. You can ask my wife. I'll just be walking through the house and I'll just say, Lord, help. <laughs> Somebody's at our house working on something and she goes, he does that all the time. <laughs> How do I know that I've truly given my life to Jesus Christ? That I've made him not just Savior, but Lord of my the Lord of my life. When trials come, I continue to walk with him. I don't blame him. I don't curse him. I don't question him. I don't doubt him. Is God smarter than all of us? What's the answer? Yes. Yes. We're all idiots compared to God, amen? So God knows better. So we, learn, we need to learn that he not only knows better, but we can trust him, amen? True faith will never be driven from God through difficulty. Run to God, not from him. And again, the people I admire the most are the ones who've gone through the greatest trials. Difficulty always reveals the depths of our faith. Remember the parable of the sower? Remember, there are four kinds of ground. And, you know, the first ground, the seed, which is the word of God fell on, it never breaks the soil. Birds come and devour it. And so somebody may, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Or they may even raise their hand. Yeah, okay, I give my life to the Lord. And then as soon as anything bad happens, it just blows away with the wind because it never got planted in this, into their hearts. The shallow ground begins to take root and grow, but the first sign the sun's heat, its dryness and lack of depth is revealed. It's dried up and blown away. Again, I've had people say, oh, I used to be a Christian. No, you didn't used to be a Christian, or you'd still be a Christian. Amen? Amen? You don't quit being a Christian, you quit being a, a poser. <laughs> Amen? Posers are people, you know, it's usually like surfers, right? Poser. I went to Fountain Valley High School, wasn't very far from the beach. We'd have guys with surfboards on top of their thing, wearing surf shirts, with bleached hair, and puka shells. Never been in the water in their life. <laughs> Christians have posers too. I go to, I go to church, and you know, and I, you know, and that's where I go, and it's my fellow, you know, but they don't have a relationship with the Lord. They've never been in the water, amen? And so, when it falls on that ground and heat gets hot, and you're, if you're a poser, it'll blow away. The depth of the roots is seen not in a few outward flowers starting to bloom, but fruitfulness remaining and enduring through the intense heat of summer. Amen? See, the depths of the, the seed in the soil 
If there's a few budding flowers, the wind can hit it, the heat can hit it, and it can die. But if it's really implanted in there, it's going to grow a tree. It's going to bear fruit, and it's going to endure through the summer, and it's going to be back there the next summer and the summer after that. Amen? And see, that's the same with our walk. It should be something that as we walk, and I'm not saying we don't have difficulty. I'm not saying we don't. We need to be watered to grow. Amen? Water is a picture of who in the Bible? Holy Spirit. We need to be refreshed. That's why we need to be in the Word. If you're spiritually dry, read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Amen? Open it, read it, and obey it. Spend time in the Word of God. Get on your knees. When's the last time you got on your knees, turned everything off, and spent time in prayer with the Lord? When's the last time you asked to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit? Prayer, the Word, fellowship, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and sharing your faith. There's the Christian walk right there. Amen? Well, yeah, I'm feeling really dry. How's your prayer life? Well, I really don't have one. I, how, I'm struggling with my faith. Have you read your Bible lately? Not really. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by? If you want more faith, you have as much faith as you want to have. You're as close to God as you want to be. Amen? You can get closer. God's not running away. If you're not as close to God as you used to be, who moved? You moved away. He never moves away. Amen? So if you want to have deeper faith, spend more time in the Word. If you want more intimate fellowship with God, spend more time in prayer. If you want to see God do great things in life, surrender every day and ask to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Without Him, we can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Amen. can't do it in my strength. I can only do it in His strength. See, genuine faith is deep and well-rooted doesn't dry up and blow away at the first sign of heat from the sun. Genuine faith is not only revealed in the fire, but it's purified through it. True belief will impact your behavior. See, you can't, you can't be, fall in love with the Lord and have him be the priority and passion of your life and not have your behavior change. Works don't save you, but works are fruit of salvation. Amen? If someone is saved, if someone loves Jesus... It's going to be reflected in how they live, how they talk. Overflowing of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. Can pure and bitter water flow from the same fountain? People say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I just, you know, I, 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 you know I'm on the construction site, so I drop F-bombs and say GD all day, every day. I'm like, bro, your walk with God, if you're saved at all, you need to repent because here's the reality. How can that stuff flow out of your mouth with the Holy Spirit living inside of here? Amen? I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Can I get an amen? And how can we do that? And I'm not, I'm gonna, you know that I'm, it's by grace we've been saved. It's by faith, not of works. It's faith. It's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that produces good works. Amen? It's overflowing. It's evident. It impacts our behavior. True faith is revealed not just by walking an aisle and praying a prayer, but the truth of the Holy Spirit having taken residence in your life, it is seen in a faithful response to fiery trials. A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. You see, trials not only reveal that genuine faith exists, but it also deepens and purifies our faith. So trials don't just reveal our faith, they, it deepens our faith. It makes us grow in faith. It makes our faith stronger for the next time. Amen. When you go through a trial and God shows up and you go through another one and God shows up and you go through another one and God shows up, you know when the next one comes, God's going to show up. May not be right away and difficulty may be for a little while, 
but the Lord's going to show up. Amen? Removes the dross, removes the impurities. It makes us more able to be molded into his image. Trials not only reveal that our faith is genuine, but that he begins to break down and destroy who we once were, making us more moldable and usable in the hands of our master. This sanctification or purification process will continue until we get to heaven. And I can't wait. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Fiery trials of life are a big and necessary part of God's transforming work in each of our lives. Faithful obedience will not go unrewarded. Notice what it says there. May be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. While the world is ridiculed and persecuted, even beat and martyred some of these early Christians, and that he was about to get turned up. See, when he writes this book, they're five years away from the destruction of the temple. They're five years away from the heat getting turned up even more. They're five years away from Christians' persecution getting turned way up. And, and he's preparing them now for what's coming. Guys, I don't know what's going to happen in our country, but we need to be prepared for right now for what's coming. COVID did not impact the church as much as it revealed it. Amen? Because if you love the Lord, I'm going to church. Now, again, if you got a health issue and you need to stay home, use wisdom. I'm all for that. I get it. But what I'm saying, you're not operating in fear. You're using wisdom. Amen? You're trusting in the Lord. Oh, Lord. Let me read the last two verses. And having not seen you, love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is so good. This is so, so good. Give me three minutes. This is so good. So good. While the world is cursing you, we're looking forward to the day when we will see the Lord face to face. Though we don't see him right now, yet believing we can rejoice inexpressibly and full of glory. Even though we haven't seen him yet, we can rejoice because we're going to see him. Amen? And we can praise him with inexpressibly, beyond imagination, because we know what's coming, because we have the hope of eternal life. A faithful response in the midst of trials brings praise and honor and glory to his name. You, not we. Uh, Peter had not only seen Jesus, he says, you, you haven't seen him, but I've seen him. I spent three and a half years with him. Peter's letter is an expression of his love for the Lord. Peter knew firsthand what it meant to walk with and to be used mildly by God, but also to experience the depths of heartbreak when he responded to the fiery trials earlier when he cursed God, remember? Said he didn't know him. Not with faith, but with fear. How do you respond to trials, with faith or with fear? How do you respond, with faith in God or in, or in fear? God's not given us a spirit of fear. Peter could speak with authority and from experience about standing faithful in the fire and also, and also fleeing in fear. He's done both. Our love for Jesus is the single greatest motivation to remain faithful to the Lord. If you love the Lord, you will remain faithful to the Lord. Again, we will have moments where we are fearful. We'll have moments when we can be depressed or anxious or worried. But if we truly love the Lord, the way, you know, love others as Christ loved us, amen? Peter's letter, again, is an expression of his love to feed the sheep. 
The following words are the source of great encouragement. Though now you did not see him, yet believing, your joy, your re, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. We haven't seen him yet, but we will. We've seen him in the way he's transformed lives. Amen? We've seen him show up and do the miraculous. We've seen him in the works of the Holy Spirit. We see him in creation. Amen? We see him in everything that surrounds us. So we have seen glimpses of him, but soon. The Bible says we see him in a a mirror dimly. But guess what? Soon we're going to see him face to face. Guys, we ought to be excited about heaven. Amen? It says you rejoice with joy inexpressible. It occurs only here in the New Testament. It describes a a joy so profound that it can't be expressed in words. The joy is so great, you can't even explain it. And he's saying, this is what you have in light of where you're going, in light of who you are in Christ, in light of all he has done for you. Again, that fruit of the Holy Spirit, even though they hadn't seen him yet, they believe in him. Their salvation is through him. It produces a joy beyond description and love beyond comparison, joy not based on a favorable circumstance. They were struggling. They were going through trials. They might be fed to lions, but he's telling them you have joy anyway because where you're headed, if you get fed to a lion at 5 o'clock, 5.30, you'll be hugging Jesus. Amen? You'll be in the presence of Almighty God. Are you looking, are you lacking joy in your life? Let me finish with this. The answer isn't a better job. It's not a better car or a better home. It's not better health. It's not more kids or finally meeting that one you want to marry. Many of those things can be a blessing from God that make you happy. But true joy comes from God, completely separate from our circumstances, based solely on our relationship with him. Great words of encouragement for those chased from their homes due to their faith about to face the wrath of a madman. It says they're full of glory at the end of that verse, a joy encompassed with the glory of God's presence. Jesus is both the source of our joy and the focus of it. Why do we have joy? Because of what Jesus did. And why do we have joy? Because we're looking unto him. Amen. Amen? He's the source of our joy, but he's also the focus of it. And then the last verse, this verse speaks, it says, receiving the end of your faith, even your salvation of your souls. The heavenly promise that indeed the end result of faith is eternity in heaven. But I believe Peter's point in pointing these suffering saints to their future dwelling place, to the assurance of heaven, was not just to get them to long for heaven, and all the glory and wonder we will experience when we get there, but then to experience the joy of their future glory, even in the midst of trials. Last thing, Charles Spurgeon said this, little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. We say that again, little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. My prayer for all of us is that we have the joy of the Lord here and now. That we have that supernatural joy because of where we're headed, because, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. Because our God is faithful in the midst of whatever trial you're going through, whatever grief you may be facing, our God is great. He loves you so much he'd rather die than live without you. You are his treasured possession. He holds you in his hand. He's given you a down payment on heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's written in your name in the Lamb's book of life. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And whatever trial you're going through, it is for but a little while compared to eternity. Amen? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. Lord, may we know 
that eternal joy even now. We thank you, Lord, we have the promise of eternal life. We thank you, Lord, we have the promise of heaven. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. If you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. As we went through this text today, if you felt like, well, I wish I had that assurance, you can have it right now. And here's what I, do. I want you to confess him before men by just raising your hand. Say, look, I'm ready to give my life to the Lord. I want to have that promise of eternal life. I'm ready to repent from my sin and make him the king and king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords in my life. If that's your desire, just raise your hand wherever you are, anybody at all. Let today be the day of salvation. Don't leave here without the Lord. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. And now we want to join that heavenly choir as we sing a worship song to you because, Lord, you are so worthy to be worshiped, to be praised, and to be honored. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said,